Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Fairview. You all have a seat. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're new with us or you haven't been around in a while, my name is Devin Black. I'm the worship pastor here at Fairview. And again, I have the opportunity to kind of step out from behind the piano and give uh, talk to you all this morning. And I'm just grateful for that opportunity to do that. Um, last week in the upcoming couple of weeks, Pastor John and I wanted to just take some time to kind of think through some sort of base level things that we wanna make sure we're all on the same page about as we enter into a season of a transition here at Fairview Church. We're looking at what it means to be a disciple. And today we're talking about what disciples do, meaning specifically the spiritual disciplines that we get to engage in. And so as we get into that, I just wanna share something with you all. Some of you may not be aware of, but I am not nor have I ever been mistaken for an accomplished athlete. I resent the laughs, but that's okay. I am not, I I wouldn't even say that I'm a regular athlete, to be honest with you. Um, I did play football in third grade for a short time. I say short, it was three days, three, two and a half practices. We'll, We'll round up to three for round numbers. It turns out if you're a sensitive kid like I was and you weren't a big fan of like physical contact, you know, the idea of getting padded from head to toe and then slamming into other kids who, you know, really want to be there and like that sort of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't for me, but I will say that in spite of my lackluster football career, I did letter in high school. Uh, They still do that by the way, varsity letters and letterman jackets. Yeah. I didn't get the jacket, but I had the letter. Um, It was in marching band, but hey, that's a varsity level activity, all right? Don't take that from me. So isn't it just hilarious that this varsity level non-athlete would end up marrying a girl who is very much a real legitimate varsity level athlete, like a real one in multiple sports. And furthermore, Her whole family, they're all athletes, right? Surrounded by them. And they like to do athletic things together. Case in point, let me take you back 16 years ago. We were married in the summer of 2007 and November was approaching. And so we we headed back to my in-laws for Thanksgiving to celebrate. And I don't remember the precise order of events that led up to this. But the long and short of it is I was handed this rectangular piece of paper with numbers printed on it. It had holes in each corner and four safety pins. And I'm going, and they're like, yeah, we, uh, as a family on Thanksgiving, we together, we like to run a 5K called the Turkey Trot. And suddenly many things started to fall into place in my mind. I'm like, okay, (laughs) okay. I'm married to Kaylee and she's part of this family and this collective we who like to run a 5k on Thanksgiving morning now includes me. You remember the, the, the varsity level non-athlete we just met a few minutes ago? 
And it's like, there, there's no way out of it, right? Because it's running. It doesn't require any specialized equipment or any you know, crazy abilities. It's not like, hey, we like to do a, a golf tournament on Thanksgiving. And I'd be like, oh, don't have any clubs. Sorry, I'll caddy for you, right? Or even tennis. It's like, nope, no racket. Ball boy, that's me. No, for a 5K, it's like, hey, do you own shoes? <laughs> and have you ever just generally been in a hurry to, be, to get anywhere? Like catch a flight, go to class, Get to the bathroom in certain circumstances. Very low threshold to be involved, right? And so I wasn't fully aware. Some of you may, may already know this, so just bear with me. A 5K, I couldn't spell it, by the way, let alone know what it was. And it, it's saying something because if you've said it, you've spelt it, right? 5K stands for five kilometers or 5,000 meters. Now, if you're a good red-blooded American like me, Metric system doesn't make a lot of sense. Makes sense to the rest of the world. To translate that, five kilometers means 3.1 miles. 3.1. So not just three, by the way, 3.1. That means you run for three miles and then you keep going, right? So for me, again, this non-athlete who never run a mile, and I use that term run in quotations, never run more than a mile, 3.1, it might as well have been 20. Thank God it wasn't though. So this is where I'm at. This is what I'm asked to do. And is my duty to just do it. Nike. So I ran it. I did it. I finished. It was ugly. It was not good, but I did it. And because my wife enjoyed things like running and exercise, I did those with her. And it was hard. I got shin splints. Never had those before, because why would I? Right? My, my femur bones, they hurt all the... It's like my bone density wasn't ready for this. Like, I didn't grow up doing these things. And so my body had to catch up. But I kept doing it. Because I loved her. I wanted to be with her. I wanted to do the things she did. See, both figuratively and literally, she was miles ahead of me, right? But I wanted to be with her. I wanted to emulate her. So I say all that to say that eventually, over the course of time, repetition, I couldn't tell you when, my legs stopped hurting. I was able to do more of these exercises and athletic type things. Now, I'm still no athlete. Let's just get that cleared up right away, okay? But I'm to a point now that I can at least, I can at least hang, right? And I can even feel in, in less disciplined times of my life, if I'm lacking exercise, I feel the lack of that. And I say all that to say, to kind of illustrate the point, that when we're talking about the life of a Christian, those who have given themselves to Christ Jesus... We've joined our lives with his. We want to be like him. We want to look like him. We want to do the things he does. So let me put a little asterisk here. We have limited amount of time. And so really to dive deep into these disciplines, we could spend a whole series on this. And there's also no like perfectly packaged scripture that says, here are all the disciplines and this is what they mean. It's kind of scattershot all over the place. 
So as we're diving into this together, I found a passage out of 1 Timothy to serve sort of as our springboard into this topic. And I'd like to read that with you now. If you could stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word, this is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. I will read aloud. You're welcome to read with me or quietly on your own if you'd like, but the words are on the screen. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason, we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you are here, you are present, and you are accomplishing great things by the power of your spirit. And God, any part that we play in that, may we do so with our fullest um, ability. But then when we surrender the outcome of what we're learning today to you to accomplish in us what only you can. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated and please permit me a sip of water. All right, Dallas Willard says that this, the disciplines for the spiritual life are available concrete activities designed to render body and soul receptacles of the redeeming and transforming reality that is God. And so the byproduct of the disciplines that we're gonna be talking about, it's the transformation of our desires to align with God's will and his purpose. And they collectively are one of the many ways God accomplishes the renewing of our minds that he talks about in Romans 12 to test and approve God's will leads to renewed perspectives. It challenges the patterns of this world that have shaped our minds, shaped our attitudes, and even some of our beliefs. And so the lead us toward gratitude and joy, toward purpose. And they are means by which we grow and draw closer to God by imitating Christ's character through developing spiritually vibrant habits. As we approach this topic together, I want you all to keep two words in mind. They're gonna help us kind of illustrate the types of disciplines we're gonna be talking about. The first word is atrophy. Say atrophy. Atrophy. Atrophy is the weakening and the degradation of muscle fibers. It's typically as a result of inactivity. And many of us have experienced this either first or second hand. If you've broken a bone or know someone who has and it's splinted and casted, they have to immobilize it, right? So that it will mend and it will heal properly. But the unintended consequence of that is it immobilizes the musculature surrounding the bone. And because of inactivity, that muscle atrophies, it weakens, it shrinks. And so you get that off and you're very lopsided for a while. Now, does anybody know what the opposite of atrophy is? Doctors can't say it. Hypertrophy. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't know the word. Had to look it up. I almost fell off the stage. (laughs) Took a turn. Hypertrophy. That is the strengthening and the growth of the muscle fibers through exertion and exercise. Think, you know, muscly people, particularly strong folks who've experienced a lot of hypertrophy, either on purpose or just they're blessed in that way. 
Also, many people have experienced atrophy to an extent due to some sort of uh, injury. They have to go through a process to experience hypertrophy to bring it back up to snuff, right? Now, I experienced that not because of any sport-related injury. Let me assure you of that. I have always been just naturally very loose-jointed. Like everything snap, crackles, and pops. And my shoulders in particular, like if I wanted to, I don't. But if I wanted to, I could dislocate both of them right now. But I will, yeah, it was right. I'll spare you that. It'd be very disturbing to you and very painful to me. A couple of years ago, I was getting a lot of shoulder pain. I knew this was a problem. I had issues with it dislocating and subluxation. Our second child was on the way and I wanted to get healthy because I wanted, you know, we're going to a family of four now, two kids. I just wanted to be healthy to, to be the best dad I could, to be as active as possible. And so I went and saw an orthopedic surgeon and, you know, they did the MRIs and they looked at things and they said, Devin, you know, we, we could open you up and we could tighten things up. Uh, you know, there'd be a lot of pain and recovery involved with that. He said, or if you're willing to put in some work, you could try physical therapy. I'm like, sign me up. I don't want surgery. Never do. If at all possible, I'll do the work, even though I'm not an athlete. So I did it under the care and guidance of a physical therapist. I was doing these specific movements and exercises. Still do them today. Otherwise, it'll just atrophy back to where it was. And as a result, I, I have the support of the musculature around the joint to keep it healthy. So hypertrophy, again, is the building of muscle and strength. So we keep that in mind. Atrophy, hypertrophy. Okay, with those two words in mind, the two types of disciplines we're gonna look at. The first one is the disciplines of engagement. When you think engagement, think hypertrophy. We are engaging in these disciplines to build spiritual muscle, to gain strength. Then there are the disciplines of abstinence. When you think of those, think of atrophy. And what that is, it's more like the atrophy of the hold and the grip of the world on you, that it would atrophy and weaken. So let's start with these disciplines of engagement. We've got quite a few to go through. And so we're just gonna kind of, we're 30,000 foot view over this, right? I've got you know, some books to suggest if anybody really wants to deep dive into this stuff. Let's take a look at this. A reminder from earlier in 1 Timothy, it said, train yourselves in godliness for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So the first discipline, this first way of, of training ourselves, it sounds basic, but it's fundamentally important and that's Bible engagement. Engaging with the word of God, reading it, studying it, memorizing it. It is fundamental because it is, it's engaging with his unchanging and steadfast revelation to us. It allows it, this source, to be our primary input for our mind, right? And so as, as we're growing in our walk with the Lord, we start to try to discern the voice of God and his will for our lives, it's important that the, the best way to know what he's saying is to know what he's already said. Because it will never contradict itself. The best way to know your path forward is to know what he's already said. 
Because that's a given. That's steadfast. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And it takes work and do it on purpose. Furthermore, the gift of the word of God, you never reach its depths. There's always more to learn and to engage with and to understand on a deeper level. St. Jerome said that the scriptures are shallow enough for a babe to come and drink without fear of drowning and deep enough for theologians to swim in without ever reaching the bottom. So if you're bored with what you're doing in the word of the Lord, maybe try something else, but don't give up. It's inexhaustible and it's so important. The next discipline of engagement, again, it's another one that's very fundamental, but that's prayer. I know that's revolutionary, but it is actually. It's a gift. There are various types that we can engage with. We can intercede on behalf of those who are in need. We can offer prayers of thanksgiving. We can confess when we're going through something, right? We need to remember, and I've been really convicted of this as well, what we're doing when we're engaging in prayer and what an amazing gift it is. Because just kind of take stock of who you are and your limitations, right? We are here in this moment, in this time with all of our frailty. And yet we can engage with the one through this gift of prayer who is timeless and limitless and all powerful and all knowing. And furthermore, not only do we have access to him, but he actually wants to hear from us. The God of the universe is happy to bend his ear to his creation because he loves us. Martin Luther said that prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance. It is laying hold of his highest willingness. I think that's amazing. Another thing that we want to consider with the work or with, with prayer are things like um, how we do it and, and, and the effort that we put into it. There's a, there's a character in some of Paul's epistles that I really love. He's mentioned a couple of times, typically in those conclusions like, hey, so-and-so says, hey, he brings up this guy named Epaphras. I'm gonna read from Colossians chapter four. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you. Oh, that our prayer lives could be categorized as, with words like wrestling and works hard. That is a call to actions, my friends, and I'm deeply convicted by that. May our prayer lives reflect that. The next one, discipline and engagement is worship. We just did some of that a moment ago together. And I wanna encourage you to always engage in worship with the body. There is something about the unified body of God declaring with one voice the truths of God, our adoration and affection toward him, reciting scripture together, speaking these creeds that unify us as well. Never forsake that. And if you're here today, you've done some of that. And I'm grateful for that. What I think might be lacking for some of us is then taking this into our personal private lives as well. We're intentionally worshiping God on our own. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to sing at the top of your lungs 24-7. It can. But so many of these other disciplines are an avenue for worship. 
when we're reading, when we're praying, when we're talking to him. Because really what worship is, is it's setting God in, in, in our minds and hearts and spirit, setting him back up in the rightful place of the highest worth in our lives. So be engaging with that in your personal lives, privately. Here's one that's, I fear maybe lacking. I know it is for me. Um, the, the discipline of evangelism. And this is such a cool thing. I never thought of it this way before. Have you ever heard the, um, the expression, or have you ever heard that the best way to learn something is to teach it? Have you ever heard that? You get this new piece of information and one of the best ways to really internalize it is to then share it with someone who doesn't know about it. And in the process, you're kind of formulating your own thoughts about it and it, it becomes clearer in your mind. Evangelism works in a very similar way because of course there's the benefit of someone who doesn't know Jesus learning about the saving grace, learning about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and them having that opportunity to respond in faith but it also gives us opportunity to speak that truth, to formulate it into words, to, to put it through the lens of all the things God has done for us and on our behalf and the ways that he's accomplished great things, right? So that's the gift, one, one gift from this discipline of evangelism that we, we really want to, to take heart in and engage in. Very similar, the, the discipline of serving it's just putting other people's needs before your own. Christ himself, his entire ministry is just top to bottom service, right? Now we at Fairview Church, we have plenty of opportunities for you to serve and we'd be happy to plug you into those things. But also just in your daily lives, much like worship, how are you serving others around you? This needs to be happening in your schools, in your places of work, in your home. It's doing for others the things that maybe they could do for themselves, but you do it for them because you love them and certainly the things they can't do for themselves. This gives us the opportunity to engage in that way, to reflect Christ in such a profound way and, and to put us in a place of humility. It's a very, very important discipline to engage in. I'm gonna mention one more and that's the, the hypertrophy, the building the spiritual muscle through stewardship. Now stewardship encompasses everything that's in your care and doing so in a godly way. But specifically, when we talk of stewardship, more often than not, we're pointing toward how we steward and shepherd the finances, the money that God has placed in our care. Now, I used to apologize for talking about stewardship, but I don't do that anymore. Because I feel like it's such a profound way that God can change us from the inside out. And one specific tool that he uses to do that is the issue of the tithe. Now, the discipline, or excuse me, the definition of a tithe is a tenth. I think that's specific and on purpose. It's not ambiguous. A tenth of your income giving to your local church body for the work of the ministry. First off, it's a recognition that all of it's his. It's all God's. He's asking for this bit. But why? Devin, that doesn't sound like a gift to me. That sounds like theft. Oh, it's not. What that does is it makes you look at the rest with great intentionality and discipline. Because if you have to carve out that bit, you've gotta make the rest stretch, right? So what it's doing is it's revealing the things that maybe you should not be affording. Maybe it's that car payment that's just way too much. I gotta figure something else out. 
Maybe it's I eat out way too much, paying for too much convenience in my life. Not that any of these things are bad, right? But what it does, it gives us a lens to look through to be more intentional with it. Think of it this way. If you had a loved one, spouse, parent, child, friend, and they were sick, and it was on you to pay for the medication that will make them well. And the requirement of that, it's gonna cost about 10% of your income. Well, you'd, you'd make it work. You'd figure it out, right? And you'd be all the better for it. Let us try and get past this attitude of I can't do it to I have to do it because on the other side is, a, is the gift of order out of chaos, of intentionality, of godly stewardship of what's been entrusted to us. All right, I'll get off that soapbox. Thank you all for humoring me there. So again, these were those, those spiritual disciplines of hypertrophy, building that spiritual muscle. Now we're gonna talk about these spiritual disciplines of atrophy, of abstinence, excuse me. These are the disciplines that allow us for, for these sinful desires, the patterns of this world to atrophy and to weaken. These behaviors, these attitudes that draw us away from God, we, the, the grip on us atrophies as we're growing closer in these opportunities of engagement. These include things like fasting. Now we can fast from many things, but again, base level fasting is abstaining from food for a given amount of time for a particular purpose. What you're doing when you're fasting is you're, you're just again, for a moment, you're abstaining from the physical sustenance, the things that you need and are good, but lessening the, the grip of the world on you and the things of this world that distract us to rely fully on getting our sustenance from the creator. This is something I think it's, it's worth trying. And typically it's used when seeking the will of the Lord for maybe a particularly large uh, discipline, excuse me, a large decision that needs to be made. We've engaged with fasting when, when considering big things to seek the will of the Lord, but there are other reasons you could do it as well. It's worth trying. And I think it's important to have in a steady rhythm of expression in your spiritual walk. Silence is another one. Many of these are so counterintuitive to the, to the world. I was convicted on this one as well. And sometimes you gotta be quiet. Both that's you being quiet, but it may be also just getting in a quiet space. We have such a loud cacophony around us continually. I noticed uh, particularly if, if I'm working here at the church or if I'm doing something at home and it requires kind of going someplace like gotta go do this chore or whatever. I'm, I'm very quickly to get my earbuds out and you know, pop them out and find a podcast or something to listen to, get some sort of input. And it takes me longer to do that than actually go do the thing. Anybody experienced that before? There's a need for silence and to not be afraid of the silence because God can speak and move in those silences. Very similar and, and uh, tied to that discipline is the idea of solitude, which is getting alone, getting away from all the distractions. Again, they could be good things, but placing highest importance upon the Lord to hear from him and to be with him. Frugality is another one. It's very closely tied to stewardship. Frugality is, is intentionally not spending money, just covering your basic needs. Um, it was uh, no spend January before it was trendy to do it. 
Just taking some time to just put some, again, space from the things around us. All good things. We're just gonna focus on what we need. Take out the distractions. Let the pull of the world and all the stuff that we have atrophy and loosen its grip. Now let's talk about a couple of roadblocks. Anytime that you're making effort to progress in your life, to do something different, to do something better, there's gonna be things that stand in your way, right? It's just how the world works. When trying to incorporate these into your life, (laughs) busyness, we are busy people. And depending on your stage of life, you have any number of things to do, right? And so it's gonna take some level of sacrifice to incorporate any of these disciplines. For me, as I was considering some of these things, I realized that if I wanted adequate time in the word of God and of contemplation and even some physical exercise as well, that I was just gonna have to get up before everybody else in my house. I decided I did not wanna lose any waking moments with my girls or with my wife. So I just, have to, I just get less sleep than everybody else. I don't know how long that that's gonna be necessary, but it is for now. C.S. Lewis said that the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back in, listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, the spirit of God. On the other end of busyness, lethargy, just tired. Anybody who may be um, prone to, uh, my mind went blank, pardon me. Anyone who may be prone to uh, sadness and loneliness and those sorts of things, depression, that's the word I was looking for. Lethargy is just maybe a way of life, unfortunately. You just sit and just doom scroll on social media or binge watch your favorite streaming service. Sometimes maybe something like spiritual disciplines is is a good mix-up in your regimen to kind of get you out of that. Another roadblock is just complacency. Things are fine, not great, not bad, just fine. Complacency is a great enemy of the Christian who's trying to walk a life of faithfulness. Because typically if you're complacent, you're not doing much. If things are bad, I might mean you're trying something and you're getting some resistance from it. If things are good, you know, again, you're experiencing the fruit of that. It's fight against complacency. And then all of the distractions, good distractions, but distractions nevertheless. Kids, spouses, household chores, the dog, phone calls, texts, hunger. All the distractions seek to to rob this opportunity of engaging with these disciplines. When I was growing up um, in one of my formative church exposures, um, my pastor at the time, he would always ask the question, so what? We've learned about these things. So what? What does it mean for me? What's, what's the takeaway from that? I just want us to remind ourselves, the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come.
We're gonna put up the list of disciplines we've talked about. And I want us just to consider those. You're gonna see some up there that you do well. And I want you to continue to lean into that. You're gonna see some that are just completely absent in your life. I encourage you to try it. A couple words of warning. Any of those disciplines of abstinence, never just do those on their own. You need to pair those always with the word of God and with prayer. Because if you fast without talking to God or reading his word, you're just gonna be hungry and miserable. If you're quiet and you're alone, you're just gonna be lonely and sad. You need the input of the Lord through his word and through worshiping him. Always pair those with something. There's the danger of legalism, of efforts-based salvation, that it's up to you to make the change in your life. There's a balance that must be found because yes, effort is required. But in that effort, the doing of it is a surrender. You're doing your part of engaging with or abstaining from and then trusting that the Holy Spirit will transform you. He does the work. We do the surrender. We guard and protect the time and engage or abstain. And then he takes from there. Ultimately, the reliance upon his spirit will transform us and will succeed. The point is not to learn to bend our will to his, but to be transformed so that his will truly becomes ours. That's the outcome of this. The goal of the implementation of these disciplines, it's a holistic change in our life, in the life of the believer to enable us and empower us to better carry out the great commission. There's a reason for all of this and it's very important. So we keep at it, persevere, keep trying. And then one day, much like me when I was running and trying to, you're gonna realize my legs don't hurt anymore. You're gonna see the changes in your life that the Holy Spirit is manifesting in you. You're gonna realize the progress that he has made. And that's all the more reason to worship him more, to carry out his commission with great fervor because you have a testament of the work of the Holy Spirit. All it cost was a little bit of effort and surrender. In just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and have a time of response. And when we do that, after we take the Lord's Supper, we're gonna sing. I just wanna invite you to to contemplate these things, changes in your life, things you need to try. But there may be people here, there may be people watching that none of this makes sense. They haven't made the initial step because all of these things, there's there's a price to pay to play. In Romans, it says that the, the wages of sin is death. For any way that we have failed, that requires your life. But the good news that we talk about, the gospel of Jesus, is that Jesus himself, he came to earth in the form of a man. He lived his life completely upholding the law, died our death, was raised again in victory over sin and death. Today, instead of taking the supper, Even instead of contemplating these disciplines right now, I I invite you to take Christ. When we have our time of response, you're welcome to come forward to pray. The prayer room will be open. Someone will be there to receive you. 
For now, I'm going to, to pray, taking us out of our time together and into the Lord's Supper. So will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning and all that you're doing. We recognize that the part that we have to play is very little, but it's important. But it's so much important that your spirit moves and stirs and changes. We thank you for the gift of your word, your love letter to us. And we thank you for the opportunity to engage with you there. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.